Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of 2021. I am joined today by Henrietta Akindele, and it's so exciting. I was just thinking about our past guests and really everyone I've interviewed, with the exception of one student who was uh, actually in country. Um, Henry is our first international guest hailing from the UK. So Henry, welcome to Stamped. We're so glad you're with us today. Thank you, Cherise. Thank you for having me on. I'm very happy to be here as well. Yes. Well, let's just dive right in. How about you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep it short and sweet. <laughs> But um, yeah, so Henrietta is my name, um, Henry for short. Um, I live, born and raised in, in England, but my family is actually Nigerian. And um, yeah, I'm currently studying, doing like a remote course, just, you know, for a bit of professional and personal development. But yeah, um, very big on academics and I very much love to dance. So I'm very passionate about like trying to encourage the youth to to tap into both sides, you know, to follow their dreams and their gifts and talents. But at the same time, you know, importance of education and everything. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> and we're actually going to dive into two really unique pieces, um, both the teaching abroad side and your your passion um, with regard to dance. So it'll be a really interesting, I think, um, intersection of both of those things during the course of the interview. So again, welcome. Henrietta and I actually met while we were teaching abroad in China. So we'll also, that'll be a large part of what we talk about today. So, <laughs> um, but I like to ask my guests what their travel experiences were like growing up. Did you feel like travel was a priority for your family? And if so, what types of experiences did you have? Yeah, I'll say growing up, um, we traveled a lot as a family. Um, being in England, we're very close to, you know, other European countries. And I feel like we went to France, like literally all the time. <laughs> it could have been Easter break, Christmas break, summer holidays. Like we'd always go to Paris. Like you would think we were actually French and we were going to see our family or something. So, yeah, um, we would do lots of family trips. Um, if we did go to Nigeria, that may, that might be like once a year just to see, you know, grandparents because we have like extended family there and cousins who we don't really know and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll say as a family, we did, you know, the kind of go back to your motherland kind mm. of trips or just local um, European, France, Spain kind of trips. Yeah, that's when I talk to my students who have studied abroad, that's been hands down one of their favorite parts of their experience is just the ease mm -hmm. of access to other places. Yeah. So it's not just the places they're studying abroad, but they're able to to go to other locations as, as well. So it really rounds out their their time abroad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. OK, so in your introduction, you talked about how education was really important to you. Um, so how did you come to want to teach abroad? What led to that decision? So funny story. Actually, I don't know if it's funny. It's funny to me. It might not be funny to you guys. <laughs> 
But um, after I did like my first degree, I wasn't like ready to really be an adult yet. So I went straight to do um, a master's. And then after that, I kind of struggled to like find work or like not to find work, but to figure out what it is I wanted to do mm. work wise. So I found myself working um, like as a customer banking consultant at a bank, like a retail bank in central London. So we've got so many people coming, lots of foreigners and everything. And I remember like on many occasions, if I'm serving a customer, um, they could have been like foreign and there was that language barrier, like they struggled to communicate you know what they needed if they wanted to change money like whatever it was they struggled Mm -hmm. and I'm a very like sensitive person I have so much empathy for others and I remember some of my colleagues you know they'll be laughing and making fun not to say like they're horrible people but I just felt like that was a very bad thing to do and unprofessional (laughs) as well um so stuff like that would just like get to me I remember feeling like like I wish I could just help these people like just you know to teach them English so that they can communicate even just the simple things maybe if they just come for holiday or they want to come to work or study like I want to know that I've done my bit to kind of help them so I was like you know what I'm gonna go home and see if I can you know travel abroad and do something and for some reason I was always like attracted to Asia Mm. and China I'm not sure I was supposed to go to China like literally the year before um I went when I met you Mm. but I was put off from like research I did you know about like being black in China and what does that mean and I like attention (laughs) but only only when it's wanted I don't like unwanted attention so that like put me off I felt like at this time I was ready to go so that was like the thing that stemmed you know me wanting to go to teach in China just to kind of make a difference like a long-term difference for for foreigners I love that story I don't even think I knew that so (laughs) yeah that's really interesting thank you for sharing all of those pieces with us so once you made the decision to go what was the application process like um, I think it was pretty easy. I can't remember, you know, all the details, but I just remember, um, you know, applying. They got back to me. Um, communication was quite easy. There wasn't any, you know, delay or anything like that. Um, in terms of, you know, visa and all of that, they were very good. The company that we worked for were really good in um, kind of taking ownership and control of that. And whatever instructions I had to do on my part, they were very clear about, you know, explaining that. So even though I can't remember, you know, right now what those were, I just remember knowing, you know, okay, I need to do this. I need to get that ready. And it was quite like an easy, easy process, I would say. So that's why I encourage so many people to do it if they have the chance, because, yeah, it's something that's so doable and life changing at the same time. Yeah, I I agree on my end. It, it was actually probably the quickest <laughs> interview and like acceptance process I've ever exactly. had in my life. It was like oh, let me just try this. And then the next thing I know, I'm getting an interview. I'm doing a teaching demonstration. (laughs) You're accepted. Wait, what? I'm moving to China? Like, this seems so (laughs) unreal. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So (laughs) had you done any type of um, teaching or things like that before? Yeah, so I had. I, like, come from a very, like, um, teaching background. So my mum... She was teaching, she started like a supplementary school from when I was four. So I was like one of her first um, students. And here in the UK, we have something called 11 plus, which is for um, students who want to go you know, into secondary school or high school 
but they're not government owned they're private or independent schools so you have to like write an exam so she was kind of like preparing kids for that and then that kind of passed on to me and my siblings so that's what we've always been doing but to do ESL type of teaching was very different to me so even like the application process you mentioned you know you had to kind of do like a trial um classroom like teacher <laughs> lesson I remember feeling a bit like oh I don't know if I can do this like is this what they're looking for when I did it but clearly, <laughs> clearly <laughs> they enjoyed what I did but yeah so that was different but I think once like I stepped foot in China we had the training and everything um and we just kind of got into the gist of it like it became so natural and yeah like it's very interesting it's a very different style of teaching um but you learn so much from it as well like so yeah yeah I was shaking my head like (laughs) vehemently because I I remember thinking I don't know they should be doing so much more and it's like no we celebrate every little thing that is a success in the classroom Uh, so once you were in China I, I know you mentioned during your research Um, finding some information on being Black in China. Can you talk Mm. a little bit about that experience and maybe how that differs or was similar to experiences of being Black in England, say? Um, So I would say it's very different, (laughs) me being Black in England, um, even though, yes, England is majority white people. it's very multicultural as well you have like different communities you've got like the African community the Caribbean community like so many communities and um, the schools I went to the church I go to they're very multicultural anyway Um, but obviously being in China where everyone is you know Asian or (laughs) let's say at least Chinese in China um I'm obviously different so even if you know you hear me speak and you hear that oh okay she's from England or from somewhere just looking at me you know that okay well she's black (laughs) so so I don't think you know she's originally from China or anything like that so that was obviously a noticeable difference but I think my mindset was different so you know before I said I was supposed to go the year or two before and I was just like nope I can't do it I remember my mom even paid for it it was um it was like an internship for something my mom paid for it I remember just being like mom I'm so sorry like I'm so sorry I just can't go like I'll pay you back I'll do anything but I can't go (laughs) I even had to try and get my dad to you know fight on my behalf and everything (laughs) but (laughs) but obviously my mindset was different at this point I was like yeah I'm just supposed to be there I don't want to sound too you know spiritual you know godly but I really do feel like God kind of wanted me to be there at that time as well Mm -hmm. so yeah like something just switched up in my mind so being black although it was a very noticeable thing I have to say I had quite a positive experience with it Um, yes people you know take pictures of you sometimes they'll ask sometimes they won't sometimes they'll try to be sly I know you know (laughs) (laughs) they're taking selfies with you in the background all of that kind of stuff but and then you know the days were like tired and trying to get to work and then someone's trying to take a picture of you just like no like not today please but (laughs) but generally I don't think I had any like negative experiences that you know you hear about and stuff like that so I'm very grateful for that and sorry I don't want to ramble on but I remember um a lot of my taxi rides Mm. I just love like educating people and I don't ever want to judge people just because you know they might not know something a lot of the time it is ignorance and I feel like 
okay, if you don't know, then let me tell you. With Before, you know, going crazy and stuff like that. So I remember lots of taxi rides when I could speak a little Chinese. Now it's all, you know, gone out the window. But <laughs> with the taxi drivers, I'll be explaining that, yeah, like in England, you've got white people, you've got black people, you've got Chinese people. Like you've got everyone in England trying to explain like, yes, I am from England. Like, what's your England? Because they'll be like, huh? How? You're black. And I'm like, yeah, but... <laughs> we exist everywhere so it's just like educating them and they'll be like oh okay all right so yeah. yes that was one of the most I guess maybe interesting experiences that I had actually was with you when we were in Singapore and the man just could not believe that you I think his actual words were what a black girl from England <laughs> <laughs> you see and it was just like yeah, I, so it w- made me interested in learning like what they learn about other cultures. Yeah, you know what they're taught. So yeah, that was a very interesting experience. I appreciate all that you said. Thanks. That's that was right. yeah. Just sorry, sorry, Sharice. Just to add, because I remember in classes sometimes when I would introduce myself, I'd be like, "Oh, where do you think I'm from?" It would always be either America mm. or Africa. So it's like for some reason they just don't think. We exist in England. I don't know why. Yeah. It's always either America or Africa. Yeah. Yeah. And that was (laughs) typically the first choice. Africa was typically the first choice when people would ask me, like, once I knew what they were saying, and then, you know, now (laughs) I'm like, no, we'll show Megor in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to pick up on those key phrases that kind of get you by. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what were some of the highlights, um, during your time abroad um highlights highlights would be um meeting you (laughs) (laughs) but honestly actually I'm not even trying to be cheesy like my highlights would be like the people who I met so you and you know our mutual friend just the fact that we are still in conversation today really made a difference me going to China was like the first time I'd ever traveled you know really by myself I've obviously traveled with my family, with my friends, but having like a solo trip, I've never even like even going to university, I traveled from home. So having that university campus independence life, I never had. The first time was when I was, how old was I? 24 in China. So it was a very big and new experience for me. And I really could have just gone crazy. Like no boundaries, what? I'm here, I can do whatever I want. But, you know, I had you guys to keep me grounded as well. We were like-minded <laughs> people. So, you know, I think the people who I met would definitely, you know, will contribute to the highlights. Um, also, just the fact that I changed a lot, like so much mm. um, in terms of like my own personal development prior to China. Um, I never liked to speak to people. Like I would only speak, like I would only speak if I was spoken to I kept to myself. Yes, I dance. And people think, oh, well, she dances. She she must not be an introvert. Like, you know, she must be very outgoing. But people don't realize that me dancing is like the only time I ever feel like, you know, I'm free and I can do, you know, whatever I want to do. But other than that, it's no, <laughs> I very much keep to myself. And people don't believe it because I know how to appear to be confident and comfortable in, you know, different surroundings. But it's been a real challenge. But in China... I was like really forced to come out of my comfort zone and speak and talk to people and network again, something I used to hate doing. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and just through networking, I remember um, being at, I always forget what it's called, that bar that we would always go to. 
I met um, some guys there and friendly conversation. Don't worry, guys. Don't get it twisted. You know, I'm a good girl. <laughs> but I met some guys there. Exchange, you know, details on our WeChat, which is like, I guess, WhatsApp in a way. Yeah. Um, and from there, I joined a forum, like a group for engineers. And that China was literally the first and only time I've ever worked as an engineer. And that's my, my first degree. So all these years that I've been here in the UK, never, <laughs> never worked as an engineer. The one time I go to China, just from conversa- um, conversing with some people at a bar, I landed, you know, like an engineering role that I'm now able to put on my CV, you know, in China. So it's just things like that, like that was evidence to me that I've definitely, um, you know, just developed in terms of, you know, being comfortable speaking to people. And I'll say the final thing, was my dancing. I've always, like I mentioned, loved dancing, but I think in my adult life, dancing in China kind of just made me feel like, yes, I could definitely do this also on a global level to increase my confidence. So I remember the year I got back from China, literally um, a few months later, I ended up performing like with some Nigerian artists in Wembley, which is like, you know, Wembley. (laughs) So (laughs) that was quite a big deal. But if I hadn't gone to China and had those experiences my confident level my confidence levels wouldn't you know have been high or you know I wouldn't have really believed in myself and all of that so I just feel like yeah it was definitely um a life-changing experience for me as a whole and that's how my book came about so I don't know if you want to talk about that now yeah I was gonna (laughs) say it's you're highly reflective um which I absolutely love because I I don't know, for me and having worked in international education, that was like a large part of what I hope students would be able to do while they're there. So yes, Uh live in the moment, but also take time to really think about the experiences that you're having and what those Uh mean. Um, So yeah, this is a perfect segue into talking about your book. Tell us about it. Okay, so um, as I mentioned before, I was very quiet didn't really like to speak, didn't like to network, kept to myself. So the book is called Quiet Confidence because that's what I used to get told so many times from employers. Like when I tried to apply for jobs, they'll say, oh, you know, you've got so much potential. You're so great, but you've got a quiet confidence. So like on paper, you look, you know, great. You tick all the boxes, but in person, you're not coming across as, you know, you want this or you're, you know, you believe in yourself. And that was like a real struggle because, you know, I know I want it. I don't know how else to show you that I want it other than, you know, applying and being at this interview. So it was just very, like, confusing for me for a very long time. But like I said, being in China, having all those experiences I had, even picking up a bit of Chinese, um, just all of those little things really just, it just added to who I was. And it was a gradual thing. When I got back, I just noticed I was different. Like, I was always, you know, if you're, typically in a in a team environment before I'll be the one who just listens and takes everything in and I'll probably you know volunteer to be the scribe and to write things down now I'm the person who's like very comfortable taking the lead in a situation or like challenging people and stuff like that which is something I just you know never did so the book basically it's like made up of 10 9 or 10 chapters and it just follows 9 to 10 um significant you know instances in my life which kind of leads to and explains or I guess describes the journey of the development in terms of like my character and you know just that kind of stuff and the whole idea is for it to just try to encourage some people 
who might kind of be in similar situations you've studied so many things and you know that could be a good thing but you feel like it's you know doing you a disadvantage because it just means that okay you're not good at one thing or you're not amazing at one thing but you've got your head your head in like so many different pots and that in itself could be confusing what's that saying um jack of all trades master of none yeah Mm -hmm. and I felt like that was the story of my life for for a very long time until I realized that no it's good to have these things and like you know if you're if you're looking for work and this is where I um, really target the you know the students and the young people when it comes to looking for work and stuff that's what employers like they like people who are all-rounded people who have a balance of you know just doing things you've got something else that sets you apart and you know you can add to the table so traveling abroad just shows that oh okay this person has a sense of you know cultural intelligence they know how to interact with different people they know how to relate to different people they've got that respect for different people in different cultures and that's the kind of stuff that they want not just okay somebody who passed you know with flying colors in their exams that's great but what else do you do you know what else have you been exposed to and yeah that's what the book is really there to kind of do and inspire I love that. And so our listeners could, I assume, get that on Amazon? Yeah, it's on Amazon. So just type in my full name, Henrietta Akindela, and Quiet Confidence, and you'll see it there. Oh, funny story again. The cover of that story I actually did in China. I had like a little birthday um, birthday shoot uh-huh. where, <laughs> where I got someone to just take pictures of me. And that's actually what I used for the cover of the book. Oh, I love that. (laughs) We will definitely link to uh, Quiet Confidence in our show notes. So folks can just click on that and it'll take them right to the page. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So this is an excellent segue because, again, I wanted to talk with you about teaching abroad, but also... um, you found a way to actually pursue your passion while you were abroad as well. So (laughs) give us just a little bit of background on your, I guess, history of dance. Okay, so I would say the moment that I really remember me deciding that dance is just something that I love is um, I must have been maybe 12 years old or around that age. And I watched Honey, you know, the film with um, Jessica Alba. Yes. (laughs) And after watching that film, I was like, Mom, I want to be a dancer. (laughs) And I remember getting so emotional in the last scene where they're singing and dancing. I was just like, I just want to be a part of this. And I think a big part of it was, again, stemming from where, like I said, I was very, like, introverted and to myself. Um, I love it when I see people, like, you know, in a community or in a team. Like, I love that. So seeing that was like, I want to be a part of that, you know, be a part of something like that. So my mom, um, what did she do? She enrolled me into like a performing arts school every Saturday that I can go to. And I did that for a good few years. And then, you know, um, obviously having, well, not obviously, but having Nigerian parents, um, the focus was not dance anymore. <laughs> it had to, be, <laughs> had to be my studies. But once I got to university, I was free to kind of explore that a bit more. And I remember I headed, I became president of like a, it was like a Christian society, but we did dance, drama, all of that. So I became the head of that. And that's when I knew that, yes, I definitely want to continue dancing. So in my adult life now, every day after work, I'd go for training and just, you know, try to get myself involved in just regular dance classes and things like that um, and do a few shows. 
But again, that didn't really happen until I went to China. And so what happened in China was, again, on WeChat, um, mm. I, I think I just uploaded like a, a video of me dancing to something. And then somebody reached out and they were like, oh, this is really great. Um, are you interested in teaching at this studio? And I was like, Shema? And then you know when you have to try and like play it cool, like, oh yeah, sure, like I do this all the time, you know, what do you say? It kind of thing. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And so I started teaching there. And when I was teaching there, I met a group of people who were actually a band. And then eventually I became a dancer for that band. Um, so I was, you know, doing a few tours with them, local tours across um, China and everything. So yeah, it just kind of went on from there. And then I ended up teaching in another um, dance studio too. So, and it was Afrobeats dance I was teaching, which is like, you know, kind of stems from Africa and all of that. So it was so amazing teaching Afrobeats to Chinese, you know, students. Mm. Like that itself was just an amazing experience and they were really good too. So yeah, that's that's what happened really. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I have <laughs> fond memories of going to watch you <laughs> dance. <laughs> going to watch or even participating, Sharice. You know uh-uh. you're participating. <laughs> I did go to a class. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> I love it. So do you have any tips you would share for people who, maybe it's dance, maybe it's art, I don't know, um, who want to continue those passions while they're abroad? Like any ways you mentioned WeChat in China was a good way to connect. Any other things you think folks could do to maybe stay connected to their passions? Um, I would say just do research. You don't know unless you, you try. So other than, you know, continuing to post things online and stuff like that, just, you know, making friends. You never know what conversation can lead to another. Like I said, from talking to some guys at a bar, I got like an engineering gig. <laughs> so it's like, I'm pretty sure that can happen in the dance scene too. And um, the expat community in China, at least where we were in Shenzhen, is very, you know, very high and very close knit. So just expressing, you know, interest to somebody I'm sure they'll be more than happy to, you know, know some, like they'll probably know someone who knows someone and they can, you know, try to kind of hook you up and everything. So I think it's just about doing a bit of research, being open and ready to, yeah, just ready to to try it and not close yourself and not think that, you know, it's not possible. So I'll just say, live your dreams. <laughs> it sounds very cheesy, but that's literally what it is. Like you're in a new country take advantage where you might have limitations you know where you're originally from whether that's the US or the UK in a different country you have like a chance to kind of just start a fre- you know start anew have a fresh start and yeah that's all I'll say just be open thank you so much and uh, before we go I definitely want to make sure folks can connect with you outside of this podcast because you've got some amazing dance videos online as well so <laughs> Tell us where we can stay connected to you. Thank you. Um, so I'll say the two most, like the two places would be Instagram. Um, so you can follow me on at Tola Talks. That's T-O-L-A and then T-A-L-K-S. And that's also the same for my YouTube channel that I've actually recently just started. Um, I started in December. So do support a girl, you know, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Um, but the YouTube channel literally just, 
um, depicts, you know, what I said in the book as well. Like I'm trying to encourage young people, particularly students, to just follow their dreams and give advice about, you know, applying to universities and, you know, if their subject choice determines, you know, what they have to be career wise, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. I love it. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, I think your story is unique in a bunch of different ways and will touch (laughs) a bunch of different people. So thank you again for being so open and transparent with us and sharing your experiences abroad. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Well, we will talk soon. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening. You've been stamped. Thank you.